0: So um, here at Genesis Church, we like to do two things. We like to preach from the Bible, uh, but also to talk into your circumstances. And that means that we do series like this at Christmas called Hope in the Chaos. But to make sure that we're on track, to to make sure that we're doing that, let me just ask you, uh, because we want to meet you where you are. Has anybody in this room, experienced any chaos yet this Christmas season? You can raise your hand. It's okay. You're among friends. Yeah, a few of you? Okay, good. So, I, so our, hopefully our series is speaking to you uh, and meeting you right where you are. Well, that's how we planned it. Uh, that's how we, what we'd hoped for when we designed this series called Hope in the Chaos. And it's born out of that verse, Isaiah 9, 6, which says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, long before this child was born, Isaiah spoke these words. He, he stood before the people of Israel and he prophesied about or, or predicted uh, the hope that was to come into the world, the Son of God. And Isaiah's words were prophetic, yes, but still it was 700 years after he spoke them uh, before Jesus was born, before that prophecy was filled, fulfilled. And we've been talking about over the last four weeks how it was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the hope of the world. Jesus Christ is born. That's Christmas. Now, if you wanted a 10 second description of Christmas, that's it. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He's God's Son sent for us, He is our hope in the chaos. And so over the past few weeks, we've talked about how Jesus is our wonderful counselor, how, how great it is that he has wonderful counsel for us, that he knows what you're facing. He, he understands the chaos in your life and the situations you're going through, how encouraging that is. We talked about how Jesus is a mighty God and how he's all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present. And, and last week, if you were here, we talked about how Jesus is our everlasting father, and how he's compassionate and loving and affirming and giving. Well, today I want to talk to you about what it means that God sent Jesus to be our Prince of Peace. And so if you have your worship program, uh, you might take a look in there. There are some notes in there for you to follow along if you'd like to do that. But we're going to look at three ways that we can say Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And these all come uh, from that Christmas story that Kathy read a few minutes ago from Luke chapter 2. And so number one is this, Uh, one way that Jesus is our Prince of Peace, uh, he's good news. You know, who doesn't enjoy good news, right? We we all love getting good news. Like we got the house, good news, you know, or our home sold, you know, we sold the house, good news, we're having a baby, you know, I'm getting married, I'm engaged, good news, right? You know, he got his orders, he's coming home, good news, you know, you passed your test, you passed your exams, way to go students, good news, Uh, your test came back clean, I got the job. That's good news. You know, we're moving back home. That's good news. Christmas Shoes is on the radio, your favorite song. That's good news, right? Uh, You won a free uh, order of queso at the Mexican restaurant. Good news, right? Uh, We can only hope to have that good news at Christmas. You know, when Jesus was born, there was a group of shepherds out in their fields, the Bible tells us, uh, Luke 2, 8. And then there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you what are those words? Good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. This was good news, and it was good news especially for the shepherds living in their fields or staying in their fields, because um, before Jesus, the Jewish people had a very complicated set of rules and rituals they had to follow. In fact, as you read the Old Testament, uh, maybe you were here with us this year as we did the story and we read through the Old Testament, what we see was there are like 600, more than 600 laws and, and rituals they had to follow. And some of those were big, important commands. I mean, commandments that we still keep today or try to keep today anyway. You know, thou shalt not steal, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't commit adultery. And some were a little more arcane. They were uh, extreme bathing and hand-washing rituals and things like that. And and they were difficult to keep for most people, but especially for shepherds. Let me give you an example. Uh, There's one thing in the Old Testament in uh, Leviticus that says that anyone who touches a dead animal is unclean for the rest of the day. And they had to leave the camp after they were done and, and uh, wash up, go through this washing ritual and, and prayer. And then they could enter back into the camp uh, the next morning. So they were unclean until sunrise. They couldn't even go home that night. Well, who was most likely to touch a dead animal? shepherds right and so for shepherds uh that was very tough for them to keep uh the mosaic law It was very tough for them to keep the law of moses and so if someone could come and take away all of those laws and rituals from them well the shepherds would know that that was good news well the birth of jesus the prince of peace was good news and is good news today that's why christmas is good news and it's a good reason to celebrate and so over the course of the next week, many of you are going to celebrate and you, you look forward to spending time with family or with friends and opening presents and, and looking back on the year. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we, we hope you'll take time to pause and reflect on the birth of our Savior because it's good news. But if we're honest, we've kind of made this into a holiday that's maybe not good news for everybody. You know, for different reasons, some people struggle to get through it. If you're a, if you're a peacemaker or a people pleaser, uh, you probably have something that's coming up this week that you're dreading, that, that, that you're doing just because somebody else in your family wants to do it. Maybe it's a Christmas dinner. Uh, maybe it's a get-together. One more thing you don't have time for. Maybe, it's, maybe you're here. Maybe you're doing it right now. You come to church because your parents invited you again or your friends inviting you, and you really want to make peace, and so uh, you're, you're here just as a peacemaker. You know, other people will say, you know what? I just want to survive Christmas this year. I can't wait till it's over. It's, it's a tough time. It's a tough season for a lot of different reasons. Uh, maybe for you, there's trouble in your home. Uh, maybe there's trouble in your marriage right now, and you just want to get past Christmas. You know, sometimes the hurt comes from difficult memories from the past. Uh, maybe you lost a loved one around Christmas, and so every year at this time, it comes up, and you know it, you're supposed to celebrate. You know it's supposed to be good news, but... You know, you're just sad. You can't help but think about it. Maybe you lost someone close to you this year. And so you're thinking at Christmas, um, it's going to be a tough year this year. You know, Christmas really makes that clear. For some people, it's loneliness. You can't stand another year to be alone. And maybe you saw the story this week of James Gray. Uh, He is an 85-year-old Irish retiree who placed a classified ad in the Irish Post uh, hoping for someone to share Christmas with. Now, he was left disappointed when he ran this ad for a week and only one person responded. And soon after she responded, she realized that she had made other plans for that day. And so uh, Mr. Gray was left without anyone to celebrate Christmas with uh, once again. And so it inspired the Irish Post to do a story on the plight of elderly people who spend every Christmas alone. And they featured Mr. Gray in this photo uh, in their story. And, and what he said in the story was he hadn't seen anyone, anyone on Christmas Day, For 10 years. And when he did see someone 10 years ago, it was his accountant who came over to talk business with him on Christmas Day. And that the last year, last Christmas, he sat alone and ate smoked salmon and shrimp. And he said, you know, I just want it to be different this year. And so uh, the Irish Post ran this story and some other news outlets picked it up, including the Huffington Post online. And uh, this story kind of went viral. And so, well, over the next week, Um, Mr. Gray was inundated with cards, letters, gifts, and invitations from places as far away as Hawaii, uh, Uruguay, and Australia. And it looks like Mr. Gray will not be spending Christmas alone this year. But for many people, and for some of you, it will be a lonely time of year. It can be a difficult time of year for many reasons. But it doesn't have to be because Christmas is good news. The birth of the Prince of Peace is good news. Why? Well, it means that God loves us. You know, John 3.16 is probably the most uh, famous and and, uh, most recited verse in the Bible. And even if you've never read it, you've probably seen the sign at a football game or somewhere. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have eternal life. You know, God loved the world. He loved you. And that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus, Christmas is God's way of saying God loves you. You know, the Bible says God is love. It doesn't say he has love or that he, uh, he express, expresses love for you. It says he is love. And you see, the reason that you're alive, the reason that I'm alive, the reason that God created you is so that he could love you. It's the only reason your heart is beating right now. God made you to love you. And what it means is that he loves you on your good days and your not-so-good days. It means that his love isn't based on your performance. I, for one, am very thankful for that. You can't make him love you. You can't do anything that would cause God to stop loving you. It's based on who he is. God is love. And when he sent his son, Jesus, to the earth, he knew very well that he was going to die a horrible, painful death on the cross. But that was the gift that he gave to you and me. He sent his son, gave him over to death for you and me. He did that to show That he loves us. Not only does God love you, that's good news, but he's with you. You know That's great news, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, to know that God is with you. It means that no matter what you face this year, no matter what you're up against now, no matter what you might face in 2014, God will always be with you. His word reminds us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. The good news is that he loves you and he is with you. God is also for you. Our God is on your side. He he wants you to make it. He's not out to get you. You know, so many people are afraid of God. Even Christians, uh, Christians that are afraid for God, but you don't have to be afraid of God. He's not out to get you. He's not looking for you to pay him back for something that he's done for you. He's not looking to expect payment from you. It's already been paid for. You know, the places you fail, the things that you've done wrong, they've already been paid for. Uh, It's like, Did you see the story this week of the secret Santa Santa in Bellefontaine, Ohio who went into a Walmart store and paid uh, $25,000 in gift cards to pay off all of the layaway balances in the store that were over a hundred bucks. He paid off about a hundred people who had layaway balances that had toys on them. He went into the store and he said, I've got $25,000 worth of gift cards. I want you to pay off everybody's layaway balance that has toys uh, on their account. And, And so people walked into the store. Some people were already in the store and went to go pay their layaway bill. And Walmart's like, it's already been paid for. It's been covered. It's taken care of. You know, And if you go into that, if, you, if that happens to you and you go to try to pay Walmart, they won't take your money. Believe it or not, it's already been paid. And so what people were doing was they'd say, well, I want to pay on somebody else's balance then. It set off this chain reaction of events of giving. And, and, but, but the debt had already been paid. In the same way, God's not looking for you to pay a debt that you owe him. It, it's already been paid for you. Because even though most of us know John 3.16, we sometimes fail to look at the very next verse. In John 3.17, look what Jesus says. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, at Christmas, the angel said, fear not, don't be afraid. I've got good news. The Prince of Peace is born. It's good news. It was good news then, and it's good news for us today. And it, it doesn't matter if you might call yourself, you know, a Catholic or a Protestant or or Jewish, or Muslim, or agnostic, or atheist, or maybe nothing at all. God loves you. He created you, and he sent the Prince of Peace for you. That invitation is open to anyone. So, the the birth of the Prince of Peace represents good news. He is good news. What else does it represent? Well, too, he is the Savior. You know, Luke 2.11 The angel said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is a Messiah, the Lord. There's a lot of things the angel could have told the shepherds in that moment. You know, today a teacher has been born to you. That would have been accurate. They would have called him a rabbi. You know, today a rabbi has been born to you. The angels could have said, today a great man has been born to you. Today a healer has been born to you. You know, today a, a, a great example has been born to you, but that's not the message that God chose to send. He said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Jesus was God's intentional plan for the earth. The very fact that he sent a savior to earth means that we need one. You know, I need a savior. And whether you realize it or not, you're here today, you need a savior too. Now, I heard this story a couple weeks ago on Dr. David Jeremiah's radio program, and it was just so good and so applicable today that I thought I had to share it with you. She was 15. He was 17 when they met. They dated all through high school, so it was no surprise to anyone that they got married right after she graduated. Four years later, she was standing in the kitchen with a sink full of dirty dishes, a pile of dirty diapers, and tears streaming down her face. Looking back, she could never quite be sure why she made the decision she did, but she took off her apron and walked out. She called that night, and her young husband answered the phone, and he was understandably quite worried, but also quite angry. "'Where are you?' he said. "'How are the children?' she replied. "'Well, they've been fed, and they're in bed, but they want to know where you are,' he answered. "'Where are you?' she hung up the phone. But that wasn't the last of the phone calls. She called almost every night for the next three months." Her husband knew something was wrong, but he didn't know what. So when she called, he would tell her that the children were with their grandparents during the day and they were well cared for. He would tell her that he loved her and he missed her and they missed her. And he would try to find out where she was. But whenever the conversation turned to where she was, she hung up. Finally, the young husband couldn't take it anymore. He scraped together some money and hired a private detective to go find her. The detective reported that she was staying in a third-rate hotel, in Des Moines, Iowa. He borrowed some money from his in-laws and after taking a plane to Des Moines and taking a cab to the hotel, he climbed the stairs to his wife's room on the third floor. With doubt in his eyes and perspiration on his forehead, his trembling hand knocked on the door. When she opened it, he completely forgot his prepared speech and just blurted out, we miss you so very much. Won't you please come home? She fell apart in his arms and left with him. One evening, several weeks later, the children were in bed and the husband and wife were sitting by the fire when he finally got up the courage to ask her the question that had haunted him for all the days she'd been gone. Why wouldn't you come home? We called you. We pleaded with you. We told you we loved you. And we missed you. Why wouldn't you come home? Because, she said, those were just words. But then you came to rescue me you came. And that's the essence of Christmas. It wasn't enough for God to tell us he loves us, so he sent Jesus into the world to save us. You know, to save is a synonym for rescue, to deliver, to set free, to to release. It's what God did for us in Jesus. He sent Jesus to save us. Our Savior, the Prince of Peace, came to earth to rescue us. From what, you might ask? (laughs) Well, he came to save us from the chaos, you know, chaos we call regret. He he saves us from those past decisions we made that we can't control anymore. He came to save us from the chaos we call our past. As you can imagine in my role as pastor, I get to meet with a lot of people and nobody ever comes to see the pastor because things are going great. I mean, people who come and they, they just can't get past their past and it continues to define their life and it impacts everything about how they live. And Jesus came to save us from that. The Prince of Peace came to save us from the chaos we call hurt and pain. You know, so many scars and memories that have wounded us. Jesus saves us from those. He came to save us from insignificance. You know, I can't tell you how many people and, and men especially that I meet that have no sense of purpose or direction for their lives. It, it hurts them and it hurts their marriage. Uh, Jesus came to save us from the chaos we call fear or anxiety and worries. He came to save us from our loneliness He came to save us from the financial pressure. He came to save us from ourselves. But most importantly, he came to save us from sin. Now, I know sin's a churchy word, and it's not very popular to talk about in our culture today, but talk about it we must, uh, because sin is what separates us from God. Sin is the problem in the world, and it goes all the way back to the very beginning of creation. Why is there chaos in the world? Well, it's sin. Sin is the problem. It's something that we're born with, but it's also something that we can perpetuate by our actions. We can make it worse or make it better by what we do, it, but sin is a result of our low view of God. You know, It's my problem when I say I don't need God, or I don't need His help, or I don't need rescued, or I can do life without God. You know, When I try to be strong, when I try to be proud, is when sin is most likely to strike. Sin is a pride issue. I mean, all sin starts with pride. And the truth is that God is holy and righteous and perfect. And because of who he is, there can't even be a shadow of imperfection in his sight. And you and I, we are a shadow of imperfection. You know, we are fallen and broken in every way. Even when we're at our best, we still can't measure up to the standard that God has. We still fall short because God is just and must judge sin. We don't stand a chance on our own. Sin separates us. From God. Sin is the barrier that prevents us from having that relationship with God. That's why God sent a Savior. You know, Jesus is the only human being who's ever lived a perfect life. And at around the age of 33 or so, he went to the cross and he took the punishment for sin that I deserve and that you deserve. And because our Savior took on himself a sinner's punishment, the man who was without sin became sin for us so that people like us can receive that reward You know, broken, sinful people like us can end up in heaven. Our savior, Jesus, gave his life for every one of us. He paid our price for sin. Matthew 121 in the Christmas story in the book of Matthew, it says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know, Jesus, the name Jesus means he will save people from their sins. You know, you were made by God, for God. You you were created to live for him. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He did it because he loves you. He he wants to have a relationship with you. What God wants for you is to know the freedom that comes in forgiveness from sin. He he wants to save you from the chaos. And it's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's, It's not something that we can just do better at. You know, the Bible says that we are saved by grace. You know, grace is God saying, I'll take your problems and I'll make them my problems. He wants to save you from that chaos. And so what's our response to that? What what do we need to do in response to that? Well, Ephesians 2 tells us, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, faith is my part. It's understanding who I am apart from Jesus and who I am in Jesus. It's what my Savior did for me. Jesus is my gift from God. You know, the Prince of Peace is good news. He's our Savior. Number three is this, He is peace. Luke 2.13 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests the angel announced a savior. The prince of peace is born. Let let there be peace on earth. Typically, when we think about peace, we think about the absence of conflict, right? It means that everyone's happy all the time and there are no problems. Uh, And that may be true, Uh, but the peace the Bible speaks of is so much more. You know, there will be a time, uh, maybe for you even this week, where you end up at a family gathering and nobody's arguing or bickering, bickering, but you know there's not peace right? That below the surface, there's something that's bubbling up. And, and you might see that and hear that. And it might sound peaceful to somebody from the outside, but it ain't peaceful, right? It's not peace. Well, the peace that the Bible talks about is so much deeper than that. It talks about shalom, the Hebrew word shalom. And that means uh, tranquility. It means, it means wholeness. It means everything together. It means comfort. You know, the, we know that Jesus offers that sort of peace, As the prince of peace, he offers that peace to his children. In fact, in John 14, he said it this way. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus points out that there's a lot of counterfeits out there. There's a lot of things that claim to give us peace. And and you may be looking for those things uh, even this Christmas. You You may be looking uh, for peace in a relationship. You know, maybe you're thinking if I just met Mr. Wright or if I just met Mrs. Wright, you know, my Christmases would be so much better. It'd be so peaceful around my house. Maybe for you, it's, it's money. If I could just make, you know, $100 more a week, I could, I could get past all of this. I could pay these bills and there would be peace in my life. If I could just get a job, you know, if I could just get that one job, if I could just do that for a living, there would be peace in my life. I mean, maybe for you, It's a house. If I could just live in that neighborhood or, or have that view off my back deck or if I could just have a little bit bigger house where we had some more room where we could get away from each other, there'd be peace. You know, I always think about those commercials for Calgon a long time ago where the lady's in the bathtub and she says, Calgon, take me away. And that, that's the vision we have of peace. But really, that's just getting away from everything. On the other side of that bathroom door, there's no peace. That's not the peace that Jesus gives. Jesus says, I can give you peace. I can comfort you. I can, I can t- bring peace into the chaos of your lives. So let me ask you, where, where do you need peace this Christmas? And maybe for you, it's peace in your marriage. You know, you've been fighting a lot. And you, the bills are going to come and you've bought all the gifts, but now is when the fighting really starts and, and you need peace in your marriage. Maybe for you, it's in your family relationships, the family dynamic that's going to happen this week. Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's uh, your politics. You know, you look around or you look at your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed or, or uh, you read the news and you just get so frustrated and you just, I need peace, I need peace in my politics. Maybe it's everywhere, but we just need peace everywhere, you know? What Jesus speaks about, God speaks about a peace that is greater than we can understand in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. And the promise that we get is this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the peace of God transcends it. It it overwhelms, it overcomes all understanding. It's beyond anything that we can understand. And that's the peace that God wants to give you. He he wants to give you that peace. He He desires to grow in his relationship with you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to to pray and have faith. You know, part of the reason for your chaos is is God is drawing you closer to himself. You know, uh, many of you I know know my story, um, but I know I was reminded last week at Intro to Genesis that many of you don't. And so I, I just wanted to tell you about a time in my life when I've felt peace the most when I probably shouldn't have. Um, I haven't always been a pastor. I spent about more than 20 years uh, in the corporate world as an executive in, in a business, and um, my, my journey probably into ministry, uh, it's hard to tell when it started, but certainly at the end of 2010 when uh, Paul Mumar, our lead pastor, came to me and said, Steve, would you ever consider joining our staff? And I kind of laughed at him because um, I had a great job with a great company, uh, making lots of money. And I had, uh, my wife and I were living in this dream house that we had just built a couple years before. It was everything that we wanted. We designed it. We built it. And uh, we had a great life. And, and I said, you know, Paul, that's great, but uh, it's not going to happen, so don't, don't hope for it. Well, God loves it when you laugh at his ideas, right? So um, I uh, went to Haiti in uh, February of 2011. I came back, and God had been working in my heart. And um, I went to my wife one night after I got back, and I said, um, "Hun, I think You know, this beautiful house that we're living in that we built that was our dream to be here. I think we're supposed to sell that. And uh, to my wife's credit, she looked at me and she said, okay. And so we put our house up on the market. And not knowing what the next step was, I just knew that's what God had given me. And so um, we put our house up on the market and and, uh, nobody came. For three months, nobody came to look at it. We thought, are we doing the right thing? Is this really what God was telling me? And as I was praying and journaling one day, God was doing some kind of painful stuff at work and, and doing some really cool stuff at Genesis. And, um, you know, there was, there was no job opening at Genesis. There was no money in the budget to hire somebody. Um, but as I was praying and journaling one day, um, I, I heard, I, I still to this day swear it was clearly from God. And I went to my wife and I said, "Hun, um, I think I'm supposed to quit my job. And she said, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you've got this backwards. <laughs> You know, you're, you're supposed to get a job, and then you quit your job. You know, you're supposed to sell your house, and then you quit your job. And what, what's this all about? And I said, you know, I, I don't know, I've, but I've never been irresponsible. So I don't think it's about that. But God clearly told me that I, I'm supposed to quit. And so, uh, to her credit, with reluctance, she said, okay. And so one of the hardest conversations I've had in my life was to go into my boss's office, who I love, and tell him, hey, I think I'm supposed to quit and I don't know what I'm supposed to do next, but I think I'm supposed to go do, do something in ministry. I don't have a job lined up. I don't have anything, but, but I need to quit. And in that moment, when I probably had the most chaos in my life around me, I didn't know where we were gonna live, what school my kids were gonna go to. Didn't know what I was gonna do for a living. Didn't know how we were gonna pay our bills. I had Peace. And it wasn't just a peace that was an absence of conflict. It was the peace that transcends all understanding. And one of the things that drives me crazy about God is one of the things that makes him so great and so powerful is he never shows you the end of the story. He just shows you your next step. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go sell your house and quit your job. So don't hear that. What I'm saying is if God tells you to sell your house and quit your job, you should listen. Because... You'll never have peace in your heart until you walk with the Prince of Peace. You'll never fully experience the peace of God, this this peace that transcends all understanding, this peace that we can't comprehend. We don't know where it comes from, but it's the peace of God. You'll never have that until you make peace with God. And you see, here's the truth. If you're living your life without God, you're basically at war with him. You know, sin has separated you from God. You need Jesus in your life. He came so that we could have peace with God and peace from God. But that doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't happen by doing your best or by trying harder or going to church a lot. It's a decision you make to come under the love and grace and lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful that um, you sent a son for us that you sent someone to be good news. Because, Lord, in the middle of winter, in a time that we've really just created as chaos, we need some good news. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we, we thank you that you sent us a Savior, that, that you look down at a time when we were lost in our sin and we were unable to rescue ourselves, and you said, you know what, they need some help. I'm going to send my son for them. God, we thank you that you sent someone to be the Prince of Peace. That as we look around our lives right now, and man, some of us love Christmas, and we love everything that comes with that. But So many of us struggle with one or more things. You know, We struggle with all the things that we have to do, and the, the lists, and the food that we have to cook, and the gifts that we have to buy, and the, the few days that we have left to do it. God, we need that peace. We need that peace that passes all understanding, that transcends all understanding. We need your peace in our hearts. And so I'm so thankful that you came for us, that even in our mess, you weren't satisfied to tell us you loved us. You showed it by coming.